Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Evenings at 7 on Faith Welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. How are you doing today? Hope you're doing good. Nice to see some sunshine as, as far as the Twin Cities go. It's, even though it's a little chillier, it's nice to see the sun. It gives me great hope that we'll see lots more of it. It's certainly nice to take a little chicken step every day of a little bit of extra light. I love it. And I think uh, daylight savings time is March 8th this year, so it's not that far away. And that's going to be a lot more light coming in. So anyway, I'm going to start with Jeff Lucas. Um, I had a chance to talk to Jeff a while back, and he's written 26 books. He's originally from London, lives part-time in the States, and he wrote this most intriguing book um, called Notorious. And it is the um, integrated study of the rogues, scoundrels, and scallywags of Scripture. I think I got your interest. Let me take 60 seconds and bring on Jeff. If you're listening to Faith Radio right now on an AM signal, we just want to let you know that you do have the option to listen to our static-free, crystal-clear FM signal. All of our markets now have Faith Radio on the FM radio band. To see where to turn the dial in your city, visit MyFaithRadio.com and look under the About tab. Then click on How to Listen, and you'll see the FM stations listed there. Enjoy Faith Radio in FM. God's Word has the power to transform lives and impact communities with truth. The Dr. Tony Evans Study Bible combines lessons on kingdom living, inspirational articles, and Dr. Evans' own sermons and study notes with the CSB Bible Translation. Applying these truths will empower you to live a transformed life. We're giving away one copy of the Tony Evans Study Bible each week. Enter to win at MyFaithRadio.com. I've got a book in my hand called Notorious, an integrated study. I'm not sure what the word integrated means, but I like it. An integrated study of the rogues, scoundrels, and scallywags of Scripture, written by Jeff Lucas. Jeff is an author, a radio host, and an all-around funny guy. Jeff, welcome. Great to be with you, Bill. Thank you. Yeah, I love your approach. I like you. I liked you instantly, and uh, I like uh, what you've got in this book. Nicely Thank done. You. Yeah, yeah, I really enjoyed. Um, really enjoyed creating this, Bill, because I think sometimes these characters are somewhat overlooked. They're just kind of like secondary characters in the major narrative. But we can learn a lot from the bad guys, not least not following the pathway that they went down. So, yeah, it's just been a really enjoyable experience, quite sobering, too, at times, because, yeah. Um, yeah, but, was, but a good study. Jeff, was there any one villain in particular that kind of intrigued you, and then you started to study, 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 and you thought, hey, let's look at some of the other villains while I'm at it? Well, I think that um, Mikal, I think, is the way that we pronounce her name, Mikal, the daughter of Saul. You remember that story when uh, David danced before the Lord, and uh, apparently it's just possible that the linen ephod 
slipped, which is always awkward. And uh, she was rather offended um, by that. And I just think she's a, not only an intriguing character, Bill, but she's got a lot to say to Christians. Because I think, I think we Christians can be quite good at perfecting the art of being offended. Um, you know, you see this in church life. Um, some people go to church to actually get offended, and they're offended if they're not offended. And I mean, let's face it: if you've been around church for a while, and I love, I love the church, but if you want something to be offended about, then just join a church, really, because there's plenty of scope. But what can happen is that we can weaponize offense, which is what she did, and we can we can do the pouting lip routine, and suddenly we become the victim while all of the time really manipulating our way into being the victor, which is pretty shrewd and somewhat mean. So, yeah, as, I mean, I've been a pastor for over 40 years, and I've I've met some amazing, wonderful people, and I've also met a few people, maybe you bumped into them as well, who kind of been offended since birth. They got upset with the midwife. You know, don't, <laughs> don't slap me, honey. So, uh, so yeah, I think I think she's a very a very relevant character. I'm not sure about the way David treated her because he basically said, I'm going to just go ahead and do this, which I think is the biblical equivalent of you can stick this in your pipe and smoke it. Right. But nevertheless, it's an intriguing episode. Now, I find the premise, uh, Jeff, interesting how, of course, you being a pastor for 40 years, you're going to have more people coming to you being offended. And for many, I'm sure their default response is, I need things to be just right, and if they're not right, I'm going to be offended. Yeah, and often what they really mean as well, well, there's a couple of things, Bill. What they often mean is, I want things to be done my way. Yeah, I think, And yeah. you're not doing it my way. In fact, one of the other characters in the study, which is the, the, is Cain in the Cain and Abel story, which is which is really about consumerist worship. You know, I, I, I'm going, I just want to worship God my way. I don't like that song. The drums are too loud. Um, and, and then the next step with that is, and I'm pretty sure God doesn't like the song or the drums as well. And so I think often what fuels our offense, it's not necessarily what's right or wrong. It's what we like or we don't like. And in, I think in, in some circles, offending someone is almost like the ultimate sin. It places those in leadership in a relatively impossible situation. It's, it's a bit like the person who says, I'm not being fed by the sermons. Well, how, how do you quantify that? You can't use a scientific instrument to measure feeding capacity of a sermon. Mm-hmm. And so you're in a lose-lose situation. And I think... Frankly, you know, quite a lot of this kind of behavior can can go on, but it all looks rather pious. Even as we're offended, we can make ourselves feel like we're actually defending God rather than personally offended about our preferences. Yeah, Jeff, I'd love for you to talk a little bit more about Cain, kind of a villain and or a scoundrel yeah. or a rogue or a scallywag, whatever we want to call him. Yeah, I'm always I'm yeah. always I'm always amused by the uh, the bumper sticker that I see that says. Hate is not a family value. And then I think, well, I remember when there's only one family on earth, and in that family there was a murder. Seems like hate is a family value. Absolutely right. And isn't it one of the things that I celebrate about Scripture is the fact that it's not loaded full of airbrushed, excuse me, airbrushed grinning heroes who always get it right. I think the other thing, Bill, is that often we categorize people, and they're either bad or they're good. 
um, they're sound or they're unsound. And in some of these villains, they're rather obviously bad. I mean, there's not much there's not much redemption in Jezebel, and Herod the Great wasn't so great. But with the Cain and Abel story, with some of the other stories, it wasn't just that they were totally bad. They just did some bad things. And so with Cain, it's one of those stories in the Bible that I come to, and frankly, I don't like it. And I think it's okay to not like everything that's in Scripture. I don't think there's anything heretical about struggling with with truth, if you will. But I think Cain, his problem, most commentators say, was that he wanted to worship God his way. If you dig deeply into the story, it seems that that was the root of God rejecting his offering. Because at first glance, it all seems a bit arbitrary, really. But Cain seems seems to want to do things his way. And again, in in today's church, consumerism can be such a problem, and worship can become a consumer item where preferences are very definitely expressed. And then what we do is we forget that the heart of worship is to bring ourselves as an offering to God. It, yeah, there's some feel-good factor in that, and, and we are strengthened and edified as we get together, sing our songs, pray our prayers. But ultimately, it's not just when it's certainly not primarily about us. And so I think Cain has got a lot to say um, in his negative examples. And Bill, I'd just say this as well, because some people said to me, why focus on the villains? You know, surely we should be focusing on the good people. Well, 1 Corinthians 10 talks about the negative example of Israel with their wanderings and meanderings and forgetting who God was. And Paul, the Apostle Paul tells us that we can learn from their negative example. So I kind of applied that principle across the board and have done that with these various um, biblical nasties, if you like. Yeah, and beautifully done. So, Jeff, you mentioned that, that the antagonists of the Bible are more like us than we would think. Maybe you would explain that some. Well, I, I, I think often we can forget our capacity either for great good and nobility or for great evil. Um, I was preaching at a men's conference recently, and we were talking about morality, and, and, and I found myself making the statement that um, some of us have never had an affair, and it's not because we're massively more noble than the guy who does. Um, the reality is that some of us have not had the opportunity yet, and therefore we haven't been tested. Now, it went a little bit quiet when I said that, but I think a recognition of our own fragility, um, of our own potential to do, frankly, some pretty monstrous things if we were given the opportunity or if we were angry enough or tempted enough. I think if we're not careful, we can... We can. It comes back to this categorization thing. We can just say they're bad people. Well, actually, most people don't start off their day saying I'm going to do something absolutely horrendous. There are people seriously committed to an evil lifestyle, but I think it's a good thing for us to be aware of the potential that there is in us all to do things that are wonderful or really terrible. And that awareness can keep us on the straight and narrow. That's really interesting, Jeff. Jeff Lucas is my guest. I'm going to take a little break. We'll come back. Lots more. His book is called Notorious, an integrated study of the rogues, scoundrels, and scallywags of Scripture. We'll be right back.
Back to the show. I'm so glad to have Jeff Lucas as my guest. He's written a book called Notorious, a study of the rogue scoundrels and scallywags of Scripture. Jeff, right before we went to break, you were talking about power and how Christians don't always do well with power, and yet we're so attracted to it. It's just something that um, Christian men in particular are attracted to. And even if we want to be in a servant's role, we want to be called a servant leader. We, we just can't be a servant, can we? Right, and it, it's, it is... Uh, I think it's especially dangerous. I mean, power is dangerous anyway. You know, the old quote about absolute power and all of that corrupting absolutely. But but it's even worse in a spiritual context because we can, if I can, if I can express this somewhat crudely, Bill, we can drag God into our authority structure, and uh, that's a very potent mix when you've got a bullying leader who's insecure and can't cope with someone with a brain cell asking them a question, who can then shut that person down. And, I, and, and, and frankly, I've done this. And um, I remember in my early years as a church planter um, back in England, you probably noticed I got this accent thing. It's just recently been... Re- yeah, I just got had a successful accent refurbishment procedure back in England, so it's fairly fresh and new again. But back there, um, you know, we had a lady in our church who wanted to know why men did all the stuff in the church. And that was the that was the theological cultural package that had been handed to me as a young pastor. And uh, I didn't like her question. And her question was completely reasonable. And what I did is I kind of systematically shut her down and tagged her as just being you know, awkward. She's difficult. She's divisive, which is not 500 yards from let's burn the witch. I mean, it was <laughs> it was horrendous. And I'm glad to say that I go when I go back to the UK, I preach in the church where that lady and her husband are now and have been able actually 20 years ago to say, I am so sorry about the way that I misused my position because I found you to be awkward. And actually, I, she was totally right, but I just um, misused power in order to avoid the difficult questions. And so I think this stuff is very relevant for all of us at whatever context of power, in whatever context of power we have. Mm-hmm. I think if I were to ask people around the office, name one of the rogues in the Bible, I bet a lot of people might say Judas Iscariot. Yeah, and uh, he's a such a difficult character, isn't he? Oh, in yeah. That, you know, uh, and there are all kinds of theological avenues you go down about his position and did he have to do it and predestination and all of that. And I'm gonna, not going to try and answer that in 20 seconds. But I think looking at his character again, I came away from thinking with, with the thought that I'm wondering whether Judas was actually trying to manage Jesus. There were some commentators who would who would say that J- 
Judas was probably desperately upset that Jesus was not going to be the military messiah who would kick out the nasty Romans. Mm -hmm. Um, And, of course, there was that expectation throughout from these good Jewish boys who were his disciples, Jesus' disciples. And so some would suggest that Judas set up the betrayal and the arrest because he wanted to spark a confrontation between Jesus and the authorities, which would ultimately um, push Jesus into a place of being that Messiah who would liberate Israel. In other words, putting it bluntly, perhaps Judas did what he did, not just because he wanted the money, um, but because he wanted to manage Jesus. Um, I read a book by a guy called Donald McCullough. It's one of my favorite authors. And he talks, one of the subtitles of his book um, was The Dangerous Illusion of a Manageable Deity. Well, wow, isn't that surely um, a threat to us that we feel like we have the right to, to manage God, to demand of God, and I think some of the extremes or some of the faith prosperity stuff that's been packaged and dispensed liberally over the years does that. But you don't have to be a grinning TV evangelist to, um, you know, uh, to do that stuff. It's possible for all of us to try to manage God. And then um, when we're disappointed, we stomp off in a huff, you know, Jonah style, and park ourselves firmly outside of the revival town that was Nineveh. <laughs> so this um, submission to God, which, of course, none of us find easy, I think Judas speaks to us uh, about that. Again, Bill, undeniably, with the suicide um, that takes place, again, it poignantly speaks to such a challenge that there is as well in today's culture with, with hopelessness and despair and the need for us in in church life to to talk about these things honestly. Um, So, yeah, again, uh, a character who in different ways is really relevant for us. Mm -hmm. I think of Judas, uh, Jeff, and then I think that many of us uh, come to God as mercenaries. We we, we hope that God cooperates with our program, and we want something from him. Absolutely. And isn't it true that um, as Christians, we need to go through the glorious academy of disillusionment. <laughs> I, I used to, I used to, I used to fear disillusionment, Bill. I thought because it, it seems like just it's pretty closely related to cynicism, and I fear cynicism with with a great terror. Um, but disillu- when you're disillusioned about something, you're divested of an illusion. Uh, we're all born into an illusion that we're the center of the universe. So. You know, when you're three months old, if you're hungry, you just scream. And if you need the bathroom, you just go. You try doing that when you're 25, it's not going to work out well for you. You've been divested of the illusion that you're the center of the universe. And I think we need disillusionment in church. It's a bunch of broken people who are gradually being put back together in marriage because Hollywood never talks about people drooling on the pillow or... um, or having morning breath, or the other glorious things that accompany real life. Mm-hmm. But we need that with God too. We need we need to be healthily disillusioned and led away from the idea that somehow He is a cosmic vending machine whose primary purpose is just to give us what we want. And maybe 
the pathway to maturity has to pass through disillusionment if we're going to really grow up in God. Mm-hmm. Jeff, the way you've laid the book out, it creates a, a Bible study that you, I assume, can do either individually or in a group setting. Yeah, um, there's either way. I mean, I've I've written this specific, well, not specifically, but with definitely with small group in mind because there are some discussion starters there. But there's absolutely no reason why the individual couldn't do this. Daily Bible reading notes, so uh, somebody could follow this um, with a kind of daily injection, if you like, of further study, and then with some video pieces. And the idea behind that, Bill, is that small groups can do this without a leader having to do loads of work. There's a 10 or 12-minute drop-in from a kind of FBI situation room type setting that we've created. And then sermon outlines as well, and even slide um, slides, PowerPoint-type slides, so that if a church wanted to move through the material together, then they could, uh, they could do a 9-, 10-week, whatever it is, series um, based around all of this. No, I really appreciate uh, the work where the study and discussion questions are available, and you've got, it's going to be a great study for whoever is going to pick this book up and, and also get the videos. It's, uh, I, think it's, I think it's very nicely laid out. Jeff, you did a great job on this. Appreciate it, Bill. Thank you, and I'm grateful for the opportunity to talk about it today. Yeah, you've been a delight. Uh, Jeff Lucas has been my guest, and again, the book is called Notorious, an Integrated Study of the Rogue Scoundrels and Scallywags of Scripture. We'll take a short break and be back in just a minute. Hi, I'm Ted Ross with the Faith in Life Minute. Rachel Cruz is an author and activist for financial literacy. Her dad is Dave Ramsey, and together they have written the book Smart Money, Smart Kids. Rachel says you can begin teaching your kids about money from an early age. When they get to be 6 through 12, 13 years old, and put them on the idea of working and receiving money, and then give, save, and spend, and let them learn those three things. And that's kind of mini budgeting for kids, if you will. And so, yeah, teach them that. And then when they get older, they can handle their own checking accounts, and they can start actually going out and getting a job outside the house and start learning those things. So, yeah, you can kind of walk in. And, again, all of this is its very real life. Find teachable moments. It's not like you're going to have a, a week-long money summit every year, and that's all you're going to talk about is just money, and that's it for the rest of the year. But make it a part of your life, and it's nothing to obsess over. But these little acts, these little conversations can go a long way. Hear more financial tips from Rachel Cruz at MyFaithRadio.com. All right, last week I had a chance to talk to Dwight Nordstrom. He owns over 20 businesses in China. He's worked there and lived there for over 30 years going to get an update from him. Be back in a minute. I'm at Northwestern. Welcome back to the show. I had a chance to talk to Dwight Nordstrom last week, checking up on what's happening in China. And there is uh, 
probably more news to learn. Dwight, welcome back to the show. Hey, Dwight. Yes, hi. How are I'm you here. today? Oh, <laughs> busy but doing good. Uh, I just saw that the uh, there was an acquittal on both counts uh, in the Senate, and uh, then also taking uh, a lot of messages regarding the coronavirus in China. So happy to talk about it. Fantastic. Well, I'm I'm particularly interested as I look over some of the the news going on with the virus, and there are now um, 12 confirmed cases in the U.S. I wouldn't mind starting there because there are uh, people coming over from China and they're turning out when they arrive in the U.S. They are infected. And it looks like there's uh, six in California, two in Illinois, one in Arizona, one in Washington. I think there's one in Wisconsin now, too, Massachusetts. Um, how much uh, concern should we be having right now? I think there should be concern. And I encourage those who have... Uh, you know, family members, uh, members of churches, yeah. teachers who are evacuating, that they do a self-imposed, uh, very limited uh, contact with others uh, for the time period. Uh, the symptoms take a while is what it appears to be. And several have come back on both the special evacuation flights uh, they're now at the Air Force bases, uh, as well as some have come back on commercial flights. Had someone just come back on a Saturday night, a family of uh, six uh, living in Ohio. And I think you just need to be respectful and recognize it's a, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a small risk, but it's one that you want to be careful of. Uh, and for those people in particular, the wearing of masks, uh, frequent washing of hands and not touching your face are all good uh, uh, things to follow. Yeah. Now, I know um, listeners, if they had a chance to hear you last week, you've lived in China for uh, 30 years and you've been 30 involved. years and we've had several thousand employees in, yeah. in the uh, PRI equity holdings. Yes. Yeah. Now, I know you're in Southern California still. And are you uh, heading back to China when? Uh this is the first time ever. Uh, I, we were supposed to uh, return. I've wife from central Minnesota, uh, loves Jesus and two girls, 15 and 12, and looking at getting back after the Lunar New Year, which was uh, early this year in late January. But at this point, uh, a return in mid-February will be delayed indefinitely. We have to wait to see what happens. So okay. we would like to get back, but at this point, we're on hold. Yeah. So tell me what it's like uh, with your business and how it is uh, running your business day-to-day uh, -day from Southern California. <laughs> well, uh, so, he, you know, the, the, the Chinese people are wonderful, and, and we have about 95% of our workforce would be Chinese nationals. Uh, about 20% of that are engineers. We do have about 5% from 10 different countries, and all those people have both great technical and personal skills, as well as the, that 5% do love Jesus and are intentional in our communication. Uh, depending upon what factory we're talking about or engineering center, it varies quite a bit. So the engineering centers, we're, we've set up the people with their uh, CAD CAM software in their homes. We're having a lot of difficulty, though, with the bandwidth and speed issues. Right. So they're not as productive. And, of course, engineers work better in, 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 in small groups. Uh, the factories... It really depends, and you can think about it. Imagine, like I have some factories where I need to take from 10 different suppliers 10 different parts and put them together, and if I don't have one part, I can't do it. 
those factories are being most affected. The factories that where we take basic raw materials and convert them, and I have a little bit more control, those are a little bit better. However, none of the operations have started yet. And again, regionally, we're having shipment issues. Uh, we have containers sitting on, sitting on ports. We don't know when they're going to get shipped out. So this will be a supply chain and is a supply chain challenge at this time. How many hours a night are you sleeping? <laughs> you know, we're, we're, we're doing okay. But uh, China, from Southern California, Minnesota, it's 14 hours difference and it's 16 hours here. Uh, and so it's early mornings and then later at night where the communication happens. Uh, the teams there, I, I will say, please pray for the people. This is a wonderful time electronically to share. What's not happening is you can't go and put your arm around somebody and say, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm really thinking about you and what do you think about life? So hopefully, if you know any written materials, any materials that can be internet are right now being more effective. One of the neat things we did was uh, at the end of last year, we passed out 24,000 boxes with children's books, including the illustrated Old Testament. That went to 10 different provinces uh, and over 250 locations. That one is being read a lot right now because the nuclear families and the extended families are having to stay in their apartment and not being able to go out. One of our people, uh, they've not been out of their apartment for 16 days now. Wow. Now, this is, uh, there are millions in an unprecedented lockdown, and this is, you know, they're, talk about some family time, I hope, <laughs> and opportunities to, um, you know, these people can open the, the books up that you you sent, and maybe they are getting a chance to be reading the Old Testament, which is, which is great. Um, so when can they wander out of their apartment? I mean, there's obviously going to be it, emergencies. It, so, and, so, so again, it's a great question, and it it is not one answer across all of China. Okay. It's 1.4 billion people, over 200 cities with a million or more. Cities are taking different approaches to this. Gotcha. As a general as a generalization, though, uh, uh, the farther away you get from East Central China, where the city of Wuhan is. People are being a little bit more willing to go out, you know, once every two days to buy vegetables. Uh, so goods are, uh, I, I'm saying now inductively, so I can't say comprehensively, but inductively with the 50 or more reports I get a day from individuals and the different factories, uh, it, it, goods are in short, fresh vegetables are certainly in short supply, meat is, mm -hmm. uh, and of course then like masks are unavailable at this yeah. point. Uh, uh, the thermometers are, 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 are difficult to get. Uh, so people are going out very, and, and then they're, um, they're staying away from each other. So even if you have like a few places where you can get food delivery, those people, like the deliverer drops it and then backs away for the other person. It, it's a great, imagine, it's like a great fear of, of contact with other people. Wow. It's, it's just amazing. Um, and when I, when you think of the way they're playing, uh, they're not playing, they're, they're involved in this. I can't get close to anybody. Um, it's, uh, it's really a difficult uh, scenario as to how they do life. And I'm just wondering what the collective psyche of the country would start to be after being cooped up in your apartment for 16 days. Are people thinking about their life more? Do you think they're thinking about uh, eternity? Do you think 
Uh, where do you think their mind goes, Dwight? I, I find this whole thing so fascinating, and I can't even ask good questions right now. No, it, yeah, those are great questions. And let me just say, I think this should force us to go on our knees and ask the Lord Amen. of the harvest yeah. to make it white. And I, I don't say this, I want to be as dramatic as possible there, because this are a people that God loves most have never had a reasonable chance to hear about Jesus as Savior and as forgiver of, of their shame. And, you know, let's just pray that the Holy Spirit does move. I would say the responses short term that I've seen are all over the map. There's a lot of anger. Um, I would assume, frankly, there'll be a spike in in in, in divorces mm. uh, with, you know, problems getting more pronounced instead of your busy lives and people going their own way. Uh, frustrate, you know, frustrations uh, with with lots of things. Mm-hmm. I'm just fascinated how a city functions, though, with, you know, everyday emergencies with people needing uh, medical care and and ambulances that need to come and help people and. I, I can only imagine uh, that that st- is still happening every day, and people need medical care and uh, everything. Seems Emergency to be- services. There are some great, great stories, great examples of, of of heroes that are not limited just to those of the Christian faith. But yeah. again, I want to encourage us that because we know we are made in God's image, and that is unique in creation, something that animals don't have, even angels don't have. We have a a power and an understanding of the dignity of all people that I think will allow us to, to reach out, to care, to truly care in ways that those that only see the material world. And, and you know, fundamentally, I, I, I come from a science background, but the biggest difference I face in, in sort of my day-to-day is they do not—I see the majority of reality to be in the spiritual world. Uh, the, a materialist, uh, what's taught there is there is nothing at all but the material world, and mm-hmm. and, and frankly, what a sad thing. You know how wh- where is the source of 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 love and 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 of empowerment to be able to to consistently do that? You can you can have a passion for something, but eventually you you, you get worn out by that unless you've got the empowering of the spirit and and that fundamental understanding that everybody does have that dignity because we're made in God's image. So yeah. this is a. Uh, I think a great time, and if you're doing any, I know a lot of Minnesota people and North Central U.S. people are doing teaching of English over the internet. Take time with your students right now to uh, to ask some of those questions, and and maybe you know it's a great English time, but see how that leads. I think this will be a a, a, a good thing because they're not having a lot of other interaction of contact. Mm-hmm. It continues to be within China. Most people are saying the internet. The 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 WeChat, uh, you know, Facebook equivalents and others are are, are quite slow at this point. Mm-hmm. Do I do you know how the Chinese government is communicating with its citizens about this? Oh, they're they're uh, actually going down. We have it's it was started actually with with Mao, but we have what are called neighborhood committees and watch people. So you are having millions and millions of people. Uh, identifying themselves, particularly by wearing bands on their arms or other indications, they are to watch over the neighborhoods. A lot of times, if you can imagine an old woman 
in, 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 let's say, the Chicago, we would have said the, the Polish woman with the babushka. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, and these, and the, you know, but these, let's just say, are older, a little bit more busy bodies, a little maybe more overweight. And, and you know, they're, they're actually monitoring people coming in and out. They're not letting strangers come in. Uh, so house church groups and others are, are Bibles are not able to to meet freely unless they can do that digitally. Mm-hmm. Let me take a little so break. So it is a highly regulated. Uh, the the it, it is being passed down. Uh, so it, if you can imagine, the top says things, it gets reinterpreted at local city levels, and then it gets reinterpreted again as it goes out to local cell groups. Uh, fairly highly organized, but. Uh, very flexible at how local locations are handling it. That's that's so interesting. Dwight Nordstrom is my guest. And we're going to take a little break, come back, talk to uh, Dwight some more. If you have a question for him, I know there's probably lots of people with interested questions about what's going on in China with the uh, coronavirus, 877-933-2484. Back to the show. Dwight Nordstrom is my guest, businessman, believer, lover of Jesus, and has been living in China for 30 years and been doing business over there all this time. You know, Dwight, I'd love to hear a little bit of the personal side of your life in China, uh, the church you attend, and how you uh, try to reach the lost for Christ there. Absolutely. But I do want to give a shout out uh, for any of us men that we know how important our wives wives are. So my wife and I, my wife grew up uh, in four small cities. She's a daughter of a church planter. So Hibbing, Fergus Falls, Moorhead, Duluth, Duluth, and uh, uh, but went to China as a single. And uh, we met there playing basketball. And she has taught and led a lot of media operations and has also now been there 30 years. And God has been so gracious in that. Uh, my my personal story is called uh, to missions at 11. I asked the questions, okay, medical doctor, pilot, and and he said no, help the China assist the Chinese Christians. And <laughs> so I've been doing that with uh, both multinationals, but now the last uh, 28 year, 27 years with our uh, uh, family uh, consortium of businesses uh, in in unreached cities. Uh, in their church, we we live in Beijing. And we go to the Beijing International Christian Fellowship that was uh, started out of uh, actually the embassy in the early 80s and homes and actually then met at, at uh, the location that where I was with the multinational there. Uh, but we have over 5,000 people from over 70 different countries. We have grown into three different locations. The government sort of allows but approval would be have to be put in, in close parentheses. Nationals cannot come, and there's some other limitations. Uh, since the coronavirus, uh, of course, the whole group cannot meet. And we have faced some challenges uh, recently with uh, the government, uh, not even before the coronavirus, in terms of allowing us to con- continue to meet at places that we've been meeting in one place uh, since 1992. And that location has over 3,000 that come on a weekly basis. That's a 
that's a big turnout. Oh, uh, you know, and it's it's wonderful. It's like Kevin. Imagine seventy countries, uh, a variety of expressions of worship and and understanding, but loving Jesus and and following what what the Bible says. Mm-hmm. So when you uh, share Christ with people in China, what what is the the approach that you you need to take to address some of their issues and con- concerns and and how they grew up and what they what they believe and what they need to unlearn? Well. And there's not a lot of difference with when you meet the international students. University of Minnesota historically has had, you know, 5,000 and more uh, people from mainland China uh, or, or other students, business people, families that come over here. Uh, this is then the urban side. So we're not talking about the rural person who I think you approach a little differently. Mm-hmm. Clearly, Friendship and love have to be established. They come with a uh, a little bit of suspicion of you know uh, they don't and they do not understand the source of love. Uh, it's it's you know typically friendship is a quid pro quo. Mm. Uh, hopefully that it's it, it's one you know I I I they understand friendship. You're getting something in exchange for I'm getting something, and and of course I think the highest form of friendship. That that's really a byproduct, but not what drives it. Uh, I, the concept of sin is is difficult for most Chinese to understand, and 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 but shame is not. Uh, our girls in school, as an example, in the private Chinese schools they've been going to since uh, kindergarten, it's very frequent. If you don't do your homework, you get stood up in front of the class. And you have to stand up the entire class in the back. So there's a great deal of of, of, of shame and, and things of that nature that that you so shame culture. Uh, there are ways that you can you can come and talk about how Jesus takes that away from us and and and, and bears that. Uh, I, I would also say that most of the Chinese are more interested in tell me how my faith will affect my life now versus eternity. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're very much this world versus other world, and that's okay. Uh, I, I would tell you, I think statistically, I could show you our factories, and we've achieved better quality because of values uh, that, that pattern after the last five of the Ten Commandments, uh, not just automation equipment and, and other quality control measures. So uh, showing how really God's real. I, I, I think at some point, uh, apologetics and, and that I can love God with my mind wholly and not just with my heart is another good thing as well. You know, so Dwight, when they say, how can this relationship with God affect my life now? Uh, I find that to be a very interesting question, of course, and be curious as to how you would respond. You know, what's interesting we so we've had several thousand employees. Let's talk about our indirect employees. So okay. those are not the production line people, but these are the accountants, the engineers, the human resource departments, the finance departments, uh, the quality control departments. What's interesting is those people often work with us for one to two years and then choose to follow Jesus. Our production line people, when it happens, it's, it seems to be much quicker. But oftentimes what we've heard is, 
I heard you, I saw you, but I, as after I consistently saw your teams and what you're doing, we we tried to follow it, and then we just didn't have the power to do it. We we didn't have the 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 you know the with with all the withstand some of the corruption that went on. My sourcing engineers and and you know now I want that and 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 so. Uh, uh, because uh, in most cases, I mean, lying is fully acceptable uh, if it if it uh, uh, helps you avoid uh, losing your face or, or, or being uh, shamed in, in in any sort of public sense. And so uh, it's 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 the truth and the power of Christianity that, for my indirects, is quite compelling. So if somebody says, if you say to someone, you're going to have an, an, be a new creation in Christ, but guess what, you're going to need to stop lying. How's that going to fly? Oh boy! <laughs> yeah. uh, it, really difficult. And if you if all you did, you know, I mean, the multinationals I think are at a disadvantage compared to our company in China because they just sort of, you know, they they teach it, but the people are like, yeah, but wait till it actually happens. And when it happens, okay, if I don't get caught, it's okay. Uh, but of course, that's not what what we understand as followers of Jesus. Yeah. So uh, I, I think that yeah, there are some real you know trust, and anyone who does business understands ultimately. Listen, you want to keep an existing customer. It's much more expensive to get a new customer. Uh, you want a trusting relationship. Any quality control measures you put in place add cost. And if you can eliminate those and focus at the ultimate source, the asking the five wives, whys, W-H-Y-S, and, and, you know, for problems and how to solve problems, I think you'll you'll just see that it, it does give a lot of uh, additional support and, and, and quality. So I... I I'm frankly considered in China an open Christian uh, as a fairly mid-sized or larger investor. Uh, and I think the data shows itself that uh, Judeo-Christian values are, are, are great for doing uh, technology-based businesses. Mm-hmm. I'm so fascinated, Dwight. I, I met you in person once here in the studio. And when you, I didn't know the part of your story were 11 years old you felt the call on your life to go do this. And I find those stories to be so compelling because they, they seem rare. Now, you've been in China for 30 years, and your wife is from... Oh, yeah, I, I, you consider me a tortoise, but, you know, I think in the difficult, the Islamic worlds, the ch- worlds of China, yeah. those that keep going after it, uh, the fruit, you know, comes and comes. I want to encourage the parents there. My parents, uh, we lived uh, on the south side of Chicago, and my missionary call primarily came not just through my local church, but we would have missionaries visit. And then they would, of course, my parents would let them live in our home for some time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was like, man, to go cross culturally and and you get to share your faith. That's great. Now, I, I'm i an unusual, and I, you know, I need prayer support in our family, but not financial. I mean, we do, we do uh, you know, doing what's called business as missions. Uh, but but uh, the, the local church really helped groom me. And of course, my parents were highly supportive for that. Uh, mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, what a what a great double blessing there. Yeah. And, and how can I not be responsible? Yeah. Do I, we just have a couple minutes left? Would you would you wrap this up in in prayer for what's going on in China and all the people who are cooped up in their homes and feeling the threat of this virus and even some of the virus that's coming to the U.S. Thank you, and I and I will do that. I'm, and uh, and let me just also uh, a little bit in Chinese as well, and 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 Perfect. we'll go back and forth. Perfect. So, 
Lord, you see and you see the issues in China. For our fellow workers, uh, our families, we, we want you to help them. We ask that you would actually take away this coronavirus. Help America, protect America, protect other countries as well. That you would give your church in China, Lord, your power, um, your special anointing as a minister. Amen. In the name of Jesus, amen. Dwight, thank you so much. I, I understood roughly half of that prayer, but I so appreciate you coming on the program. I'm, I'm, I'm pleased. God bless yeah, you. God bless you. Dwight Nordstrom is my guest. We're taking a little break, and we'll be back in just a minute. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.